All right, Psalm 71. Uh, tonight we get to talk about something I, you, I know you've been dying to talk about. We get to talk about getting old. It's going to be fun. Talk about getting old. Some of you are familiar with what it feels like to, to, to start to get old. Uh, play some church softball and you'll know. I mean, for me in my mind, softball has always just been kind of a girly thing. And then I get out there and I'm playing softball and I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting old. Not, something, something's wrong here. My body's not handling this. So we're going to talk about uh, gray hair tonight. It should be fun. It should be really fun. Um, so for Christmas, my boys uh, got their very first Hot Wheels uh, track. You know what I'm talking about? The orange track pieces that you can connect together. And um, then when you build this elaborate track system for your Hot Wheel, you put your Hot Wheel at the start of the track up on a high end of the room, and it goes down the, the track and eventually runs out of steam. It's not electronic. It's just pure you know, ingenuity of the mind. And you can really do all kinds of cool things. It's just up to how creative you want to get and uh, how many pieces and things that you have for the track. And so we got that uh, for Christmas. You notice how I said we, they got that for Christmas, but I probably had more fun than they did. Um, they got that for Christmas. We set it up Christmas morning and, and did videos of all these cool little, you know, tracks that we built. And then uh, May rolls around and my son Luca uh, turns four, and he gets something that revolutionized Hot Wheels altogether, and that was the Hot Wheel gap jump. You know what I'm talking about? So now they're not connected, but you break the chain, and there's a jump that you can jump with your Hot Wheels, and so you can, you can get it going, and then you build a, uh, uh, there's a ramp, and then it has a space, and then it lands, hopefully, on the other side, and uh, that, was, that was awesome, and we, we set that thing up and had a lot of fun. Uh, we started out small, and so we started out with, like, uh, jumping over other cars. We built it up a little bit, started jumping over stuffed animals, and then we went extreme and started jumping over people. And so uh, siblings were laying on the floor. Dad was laying on the floor. Eventually, I got a Hot Wheel to the head. Like a, I don't know if my head's like a magnet for things, uh, but it, it, was, it was high risk, high risk, right? And uh, Hot Wheels, it was always fun since Christmas. We, we enjoyed Hot Wheels, but when we got the gap jump, there was just something about the gap that just brought for us this element of awe, right? We, we see the Hot Wheel go flying in the air, and if we timed it just right and got all the, you know, all the, the, the distance perfect, it landed and just kept going. We'd be high-fiving. It's awesome. It was just so, so cool. Um, all that to say, have you ever heard of this thing called the, the generation gap? You ever heard that phrase? The, the generation gap, uh, it refers to the reality that there's kind of a gap uh, between uh, younger and, and older generations. The, the phrase became popularized by sociologists in like the 1960s uh, to describe this widening gap between the older generation and, and the younger generations. And the gap uh, seemed in, in, in that decade especially to, to get wider and wider and wider and wider due to the massive uh, population of just the, the youth uh, generation of the, of the 60s. And, and so now, the, the youth generation, this new crowd, the, there, there was a mass of them, there was a lot of them, and uh, they were able, because they had strength in numbers, they, they now had power, right? And they could kind of rise up and be different and do things a lot different, whereas, you know, years before, you know, there were some differences, but 
Uh, in many ways, you, you could walk around and see younger generations dressing a lot alike and thinking a lot alike their, uh, like their parents. But this now, there was, there was power. They had strength in numbers. And so the younger generation was marked by things like their fashion and marked by uh, things like their, their music they listened to. My generation, right? You know the song? Marked by even their political thinking. And so there was this, this widening uh, gap. Now, obviously, many people fought against the gap. They said, no, this is not good. This is terrible. The gap is not good. Many churches, obviously, fought against the gap. And, and many people just wanted uh, younger generations and the, the older generations just to, to be the same, to like the same music, to dress the same way, to think the same way, uh, to learn the same way. Uh, but the reality is, there, there's a gap. It's just kind of unavoidable that there is a, a, a gap. There are some major differences. Now, I say all this to say that, that really um, gaps are not always a bad thing. A lot like with, with my boys' uh, Hot Wheels set and the gap that we uh, built up, uh, you know, it kind of spices things up a bit. Uh, the gap creates uh, really a sense of awe as you see uh, just the span of the gap and you see it Wow, that's really cool, and it just makes things exciting. I think back to, to my, um, my great uncle. Um, he was a prisoner of war in World War II, and so I remember talking to him about uh, becoming a, being a prisoner of war and what that was like and his plane crashing and just sitting there and just hearing things from uh, an entirely different generation, this big gap that just seemed like we couldn't span, but just sitting there and just being in, in awe of that and think, I can't relate with this at all, but just this is awesome. This is so cool. You're playing and then you're in the jungle. It's just so, wow, so cool. And so gaps aren't always a bad thing. Gaps can, can for us be awe-inspiring in a sense. Now, where we have to be careful is, is how we, as a church, seek to span the gap. That's kind of where we have to be uh, careful. Like with Hot Wheels, we have to get the distance right. We've got to try some things out, have some major failures, Hot Wheel to Dad's head kind of thing. Uh, we, have to, we have to be really careful. Um, otherwise, there's, there's a crash, right? And so we have to be careful how we span the gap. And so churches, I think, have to be uh, careful with how they choose to, to span uh, the gap. Some will just completely, altogether refuse to connect with younger, emerging cultures. And so what happens is those churches will crash because they grow old, but they're not reaching younger emerging cultures. And so they just grow old and they die with the people of of the church. Other churches will try so hard to connect with emerging cultures that what they do by default is just completely cut off older uh, generation, the older culture. And so they crash in that the the younger generation uh, in their church oftentimes doesn't have the, the older generation to kind of pour into them and instill into them some of the wisdom that they've, they've gained with life and some of their experience. And so the younger generation doesn't get to have that uh, in their midst because churches will say, we got to reach the younger people and that's what we're going to do. And they completely cut off uh, the older generation in a sense. And so what, what we want to do is we want to somehow engage emerging cultures and emerging generations of, of, of people. And it's going to constantly be new ways. And it seems like with technology, things are coming at us faster and faster and faster. We want to engage them, but somehow at the same time honor the past, right? We want to span the gap uh, and do so very carefully. And I, I really believe that if we can do that as a new church, there will be among us just a sense of awe. 
wow, that is, that is so cool because we can learn uh, from those people who have gone before us and we can receive their wisdom and their experience. And maybe they can learn from uh, some new methods of, of younger generations. And be careful here, I, I said new methods, not a new message. The message stays the same. And even the, the medium, the way we share the message stays the same. It's the proclamation of God's word. But maybe some of the methods in terms of let's try this to get the word into people um, maybe is, is a little bit different. But the message doesn't say, uh, the message doesn't change. And so we need to be very careful there. Uh, but we want to be both, right? We want to span the gap and do so uh, carefully. And, and when we read the scripture, the Bible, it's really beautiful how the Bible kind of balances uh, these. God doesn't say, well, we're just going to close the gap altogether. Uh, God keeps the gap. And I want to show you this through Scripture. So let me give you a little bit of sampling. We'll put some, some Scripture on the screen here for you. Uh, we'll start with Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 7. Uh, here's what it says. God says to young Jeremiah, he says, Do not say that I am only a youth, uh, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. So he's saying, you're, you're, you're a youth, but don't say I'm only a youth. So God's saying, I'm not discrediting youth. I'm going to use uh, younger people. Then you get into the New Testament, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. That's like the youth group verse, right? If you've ever been involved in a youth group somewhere in your life, you were told to memorize that verse, right? Uh, don't let anybody look down on you uh, because of your youth. And so what you see here is that both in, in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and in the New Covenant, the New Testament, God's plan included, I'm going to use young people. I'm going to use them. That's a part of my plan. Um, but God doesn't say, I'm only going to use young people because they're hip, because they're with it, because they're sharp, because they're, they're fresh and they're progressive. But he also wants to use the older generation. So listen uh, to some other scripture. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, verse 7, listen to what, what God says. He says, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father... I was like, when I was a teenager, like the last thing I wanted to do is ask my father anything. <laughs> ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. And so God says, I, I want you to talk to some of the people who have gone before you. That's, that's a big thing among us. You need to talk to them. And they're going to talk about, here's what God has done. Here's who God is. Here's what we know about God from the scriptures. And then in, in the New Testament, in Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, actually, let's do Titus 1 through 6 is what, what's up here. It says, but as for you... Uh, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. And so here, uh, Paul is saying to, to Titus, here's what, uh, Titus, here's what I want you to teach the, the, the older men and the, the older women. I want you to teach them uh, to teach the younger uh, generation as well. And so here, even in, in both the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, the New Covenant, God's plan is to use Older people uh, to reach people for his purposes. And so God uses both 
the older generations and the, the younger, up-and-coming, emerging uh, generations for his purposes. And so here's the conclusion from some of these scriptures, and there are many, many more that we could go through. The conclusion is, is that the gap is good, right? The, the gap is good. Gaps are good. I want to I show you some more here. Um, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, um, the older Paul is talking uh, to the younger Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Here's what he says. He says to Timothy, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would, or as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And so what I want to point out here is that God, uh, it's very clear that God doesn't try to eliminate that gap. Right? He doesn't try to say, no, we're going we're to close the gap altogether. There will be no gap. If God, through Paul, wanted to eliminate the, the age gap here, he would have said something like, don't make any distinctions between older and, and younger. Treat them all the same. But is, is that what he says in that verse? Does he say treat them all the same? No, he doesn't say treat them all the same. Instead, he says recognize the distinction. Recognize the gap and treat them a little bit differently. Don't treat them as if one's better than the other. Just treat them differently. Different isn't, isn't the same thing as saying, well, they're not equal. He's saying treat them differently. So older men, treat them like fathers. Younger men, Titus, I want you to treat them like, or, or Timothy, treat them like brothers. Older women, like mothers. Younger women, like sisters in all purity. So be careful how you deal with uh, the, the younger women, uh, Titus. But he's recognizing the gap. And so we need to recognize the age gap and, and, and know that it's good, right? It's, it's, it's a good thing. And, and you know, in our, in our church, we have a variety of age gaps, all kinds of different age gaps. Maybe it's age in terms of actual years. It could be age in, in terms of experience. But we have a difference between um, younger and older. We have the difference between students and career people. We have the gap between um, married and, and unmarried. We have the gap of parents and happy people. Uh, just kidding. Totally just joking. Um, I've been working on that joke all week long. I was waiting for that one. Uh, but, but Lord willing, these gaps, these gaps will grow. What I mean by that is, is I'm praying that we'll see more of those gaps. We'll see uh, a greater diversity uh, among us that either, one, God will bring us some old people. That'd be great. Or two, we're just going to grow older, and as we grow older, we're going to keep reaching younger people, and so there will be a, a growing gap. But regardless, gaps are good, and we want them, and we're thankful for them, and we don't want to fight uh, against the gaps. One thing I get a lot as a new church is, well, tell me about the, the demographic of your church. Like, do you have a lot of college students? Because I'm a college student, and I, I just want to be around college students. Like, well, we have a few. But you know what? It's probably good for you as a college student not just to hang around college students. In fact, it's really good for you to leave your college campus and to go somewhere where there are people other than college students, right? That's a good thing. Well, do you have um, any older people? Because I'm, I'm, you know, you're young, and I would imagine that the church is kind of... Well, no, but we got to start somewhere. You want to be the first? Come on out. Right? I get the, all, this is, these are conversations that I have, and I want to keep going and show you a little bit as to why these gaps are important and good, and we want to build uh, to this. And, um, you know, I, I just pray that one day we'll be 
um, the church that Acts t- or Paul or Peter rather talks about in Acts chapter two, uh, verse seventeen. I'll give you this verse. It says, "In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." And so, the vision here is that we will be men and women, young and old, all different, used of God uh, to serve each other. And when that happens, as, as Peter declares this in Acts 2, there's just this, this element of awe. You get the first summary of the early church in Acts chapter 2. You get the second summary of the early church in Acts chapter 4. And it says that they're just in amazement at what's going on among them. They're just, wow, this is so cool. Such unity. We're different and we're unified and and. People saw that, and they, they wanted that, and I pray that that would be us, that we would have men and women, young and old, uh, being used of the Lord um, for his purposes. That's what we want to be, and there would be an element of awe in that, that we would be cross-cultural, that we would be cross-gender, that we would be cross-generational, and really loving and embracing the differences. And again, that doesn't mean that we need to pretend that we're all identical because we're not. The differences are actually a good thing. Equal, yes. Identical, no. And, and that's, a, that's a, a good thing that we're not all identical. Leads us to our psalm today. Uh, psalm 71. Uh, psalm 71. Now, don't get nervous. Oh, no, he's just getting started. Um, I, I want to focus on five verses in the psalm um, tonight um, for the remainder of our time. And I really uh, hope that these verses will, for us, paint a vision for our future as individuals and our future as, as a church. A vision uh, for you even to be an old person, right? That's something we don't want to think about. We fight against in our culture. But do you have a vision of what, you, what life's going to be like as an old man or an old woman? You should. You really should. And so Psalm 71, 14 through 18 will be our focal verses. But for context, let me read 1 through 13. Um, with, with you. And so uh, Psalm 71, 1 through 13. Let's get some context here. Psalmist says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked and from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise. And with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. For there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. A little bit of context for you. Here's the the picture that's been painted for us in these first uh, 13 verses before we get into what I really want to look at tonight. 
we've got an older man here. The psalmist is an older man. Our psalmist is verse 9. He's in his old age. If you want to look there. Verse 9, he's tired. It says his strength is spent. Verse 11, he's alone. So other than God, his, his enemies have observed. It says that there is none to deliver him. He's got nobody around and can save him. He is alone. Um, and this is really kind of true with many seniors, isn't it? Think about seniors. Many of them, they're older, obviously, tired. Uh, many times they've become isolated and alone in, in, in many respects, especially in a culture where youth is so glorified. It drives me crazy when I see a woman who's trying to dress like she's 20 when she's like in her 50s. It's just ridiculous. I mean, what are you looking at? Are you looking at Seventeen Magazine and you want to be that? It's just kind of goofy in our culture. And we glorify youth and we discount um, seniority and, and the wisdom that comes with that. You even think back to history, man. They used to put the wigs on their head. They wanted to look old, right? I'm kind of at this weird place in my life right now. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're starting a church where, you know, one of the first things people say is, you're a pastor? Well, you're young. I mean, I don't know what they picture if your pastor's supposed to be like, like on his last leg or I don't know. So I, I find myself celebrating gray hairs. You know, it's kind of like back in, in you know, junior high and you get that little armpit hair. You're like, yes, I'm becoming a man, right? And I'm celebrating the gray hairs. Like, I'm wisdom, baby. This is good, man. Maybe with every gray hair, God will bring like an older person to the church. I don't know. But uh, we're in a culture that just glorifies youth and, 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 and growing up is, is kind of like something we fight against. Oh, that's awful. No, it's a good it's a, it's a good thing, right? And seniors can be isolated in, in, in many respects. Now, notice verses 14, 15, and 16. This is good. The, the tone uh, really changes. The tone really changes. Check this out. But, so all of that context, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. I'm not righteous. The Bible says no, there is no one righteous, no, not one. Your righteousness, God, yours alone. What's the first word here in this section where the, 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 the tone changes? Verse 14, but. This is a, this is a really, really cool um, Tone change here. I love this. This is good. He's older. He's tired. He's alone. He's oppressed. But, but, he's, he's old, but he's not over. I love that. He's old, but I will praise you yet more and more. I may be old, but I've got some work to do. I've got some more work to do. More and, and more. Let me give you some statistics here. Um, Today, the, the average American retirement age is 62. The average American life expectancy is 79. Now, obviously, there's some variation there, um, but the average American life expectancy is, is 79. Here's what that tells us, that after retirement, we have another 22% of our life to live after uh, retirement. At the turn of the 20th century, it was 3%. Right? 3% of, of life to live after uh, retirement. It's a lot different now, right? And so we kind of have to change our thinking like, I'm retired, I'm, I, it's over, I got nothing left in me. I, we got to change our, our thinking that, 
when we retire, it's, it's not over, right? We need to take the, the, the very progressive thinking of this psalmist. I'm, I'm old, but it's not over. I've got a lot of work to do. I, I'm not going to check out. Now that I'm old, I'm just going to go on a 22% of my life vacation and just kind of ignore everything. I'm, just, I'm going to Florida and forget everything that, that's behind me. No, it's time for an even more fruitful ministry. I want us thinking about getting older and thinking about increased fruit. Forget this idea that we're in the prime of our life and you better do everything you need to do now because when you get old, you're old and washed up. No. It should get better, as he's saying, more and more and more and more faithfulness, more fruit in my ministry as I get older. It is, as, as you retire, it is time to stay plugged in to a church as you retire. It is time to, to give more because, truth is, you've got more. Maybe not financially, I know it gets tough, especially in today's economy, but you've got more wisdom, you've got more experience, and you've got more time. And so we don't check out when we get old, we say it's time to give more and more and more and more. And so uh, together um, we are seeking to build a church that will serve Boston well. When we first started out um, almost two years ago, we were pretty much just young, single people, and my family. I mean, that was it. We were all just young, single uh, people. And then God added a couple of families. And, and so for a while, uh, no college students, not in this part of Boston. Just, we just didn't have college students. We didn't have any families for, for a while. And so college students, um, they, they could say, well, I can't come because there's no students. And, and young families uh, could say, well, yeah, I, I shouldn't come because there are, are no family. And, and this excuse would work if church was all about you. But church isn't all about you. Church is a place that we can come and we can serve and we can give. And so we need to make sure our perspective is, is right when it comes to what are we uh, seeking out of, out of church Listen, God is going to pour into your life in so many ways by being plugged into a church. I promise you that. Many of you can say, I've seen that. But we should walk into these doors saying, what can I give? What can I give? And so that excuse flies if church is all about you, but it's, it's not. And, and the cool thing is that now we can look around our church and there's families. And in the fall, uh, there will be students and there are young uh, professionals and young singles and so now I'm just praying God give us some gray hairs give us some gray hairs not me personally but give us as a church uh, some some gray hair it's a it's a beautiful thing it's a good thing and we need that Um, I think about my grandmother um, who is one of Charles River Church's greatest supporters uh, one of my greatest supporters I'm praying that she can come up here uh, sometime we were lucky on our Florida vacation a few weeks ago to have a layover in Atlanta, and so we got to connect with my grandmother. She got to meet little Nora for the first time, which was just a super uh, big deal for her, and just we were so excited for that. Uh, but she is one of our greatest supporters in prayer as a church. She's one of our greatest supporters in, in giving. And when my grandmother and I, whenever we talk on the phone, she's always asking about the church. She's always asking about my family. She's always telling me about this, this 
person that she's been telling about Jesus. She's always telling me about the people that she's visiting in the hospital. She's always telling me about uh, our family members that she's trying to help them out with. She's always telling me about the ministries that she's plugged in with her church. She's always telling me about this young lady that she's really trying to help out. Uh, She's always telling me about how every morning never fails. She is up praying through a list that she's been praying through uh, forever. Uh, and, And listen, I want that to be me. I want that to be us. That as we grow older, we have this vibrant, vibrant personal uh, ministry. And uh, I know that many of us can't even begin to think that far in advance, but we need to. We need to. We need to think in that direction. We need to have a vision for that piece of our, of our future. Um, back in the winter, I found this goofy app for my iPhone called Age Me. <laughs> and um, basically, you plug in a picture of yourself, and you can make yourself look old. And so I made myself look old. I showed my wife. She thought it was a zombie. Uh, but I said, no, that's actually me. And that's what you're going to be staring at in like 40 years, baby. It's going to be awesome. And uh, so every now and again, I'll be scrolling through my phone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that dumb app that I had this picture of myself. And I laugh at it a little bit. And it's goofy. And it's kind of horrifying, to be honest. But um, you might not be here anymore. You'll probably leave when I turn uh, that way. But uh, anyhow, I-, I let it remind me. I am going to get old, right? I'm, I'm going to get old, and you know, that's a good thing. And I want a vision for longevity uh, in, in ministry and in life and in faith. And we all need to kind of have a vision for our future in that uh, regard. Now, let's read our, uh, our last uh, few verses together if we can. I love, I love this. Um, I mean, it's just such, such good stuff. He, he, he's got more he wants to do. Now 17 and 18. He says, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. Oh, man, that's so good. He's reflecting on following the Lord from his youth. And now, verse 18, he's thinking about uh, ministry into his old age, even during his season of, of gray hair. It's just such an awesome picture, isn't it? Such a, a, a cool picture of, of long life marked by, by faithfulness. That from my youth to old age, faithful to you, God, I want to follow you. I just want to encourage all of us to be thinking in that direction. And also, I want to encourage all of us to be uh, developing practices uh, in our life that will uh, set you up to be sustained uh, into longevity in your faith. I want us to leave tonight thinking about future faithfulness. Future faithfulness. Future faithfulness. In other words, I'm asking you, are you in this thing for forever? Are you in this thing forever, for the rest of your life, that you're following Jesus for the long haul? It is not just about today. We usually just think about today's issues, what's happening today, maybe what's going to be happening tomorrow, next week, next month. But we need a vision for our future about future uh, faithfulness. I love that the Apostle Paul, elsewhere in, where in Scripture, uses the uh, imagery of a race. In the book of Hebrews, chapter uh, 12, talks about running that, that race set before us with endurance, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, that if we're going to make it to the end, 
We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus, that he's the goal. We want to honor him because he's done all the work. He saved us with his, his perfect life and his death on the cross on our behalf. And so if we keep our eyes fixed on him and his resurrection, that he's, he's got power, I, I'm going to see him face to face. We fix our eyes on him uh, to the very, very end. And so we've got to start working towards um, developing practices that will sustain us for longevity. And so just like your doctor is going to tell you, listen, uh, your long-term health is dependent upon your current practices. I think the same goes for our longevity in the faith. And so we have to have a good diet, right? We have to have a good diet, just like your doctor is going to tell you. But our, our diet uh, for longevity in the faith is that we are really in God's word and his, his scripture. We are really uh, in prayer with him consistently that we need to really develop a plan for our own personal devotional life. I've told you, it uh, seems like a million times, that, that a goal, fix your eyes on Jesus, let's, let's finish the race, a goal without a plan is wishful thinking. And so let's, let's nail out our diet. Like, what are we going to do to intake God's word? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus himself says, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we need, need this kind of bread uh, to s- sustain us uh, for longevity, future faithfulness in, in our walk with the Lord. We're also going to need a really good support system. That's what your doctor's going to tell you. Uh, you're a senior citizen walking into his office. He's going to make sure you've got some family, some, some way to call somebody. If you have a fall, he's going to make sure you're, you're all set there. And, and likewise, we need a support system if we want to be uh, faithful and have longevity in the faith. That's why uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so that passage is telling us that, that God does not want you to neglect doing this. That this should be always a part of what you do every week, that you gather with other Christians. This is a firm commitment for you as a Christian. Do not neglect to meet together. That is a command, as is the habit of some. He says, some people are already starting to do it, dropping off, not meeting together. He says, we need to do this so that we can stir one another up towards love and good deeds. So we come in here and we stimulate each other through the preaching of the word, through the singing of songs, through, hey, how's it going? Tell me about your week. You're struggling? Oh, let me encourage you. We stimulate and stir one another up towards love and good deeds. And all the more, it says, as we see the day drawing near. So as we're getting older, and it's getting tougher, and it's harder, and our body starts to ache nonstop, all the more, the end's drawing near. You keep, keep, Keep on with that support system. You stay plugged into your church. You're going to need that. You have that support system. That's something your, your doctor's going to tell you. And I love that. It's, it's God looking out for us. It's his provision. I'm trying to protect you. It's not like this, this check, I want you to do this. It's I'm trying to protect you because I care for you. It's provision. What else is your doctor going to tell you? He's going to tell you you've got to exercise. You've got to, to, to exercise, right? You've got to do something. You've got to move. You can't just sit on the couch all the time. Look back to to, to verse 18 again. Back to verse 18 of Psalm 71. It says, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. What is the psalmist asking here? 
Look at that verse. What is he, what is he asking? He says, God, do not forsake me until when? Until I proclaim your might to another generation. Until I proclaim your might to another generation. He's exercising in his old age. He's doing some spiritual work here. He's, he's saying, I want to proclaim you, God, to another generation. I want to I I share you. I want to be active in sharing uh, the Lord with other people. He's asking God, listen, God, don't forsake me. Don't let me die. Extend my life until I can tell another generation uh, about you. He's working it in his old age. I love this. He's like, I don't want to end. I want to keep telling people about Jesus. I want to keep telling people about you, God, until I tell a whole other generation. He's older, he's tired, but he's still got a ministry. He's old, but it's not over, right? What a great, great picture of the older generation proclaiming to the younger generation. I think that's so, so cool. So we've got a good diet here of, of the word is what we need. We need a good support system. We've got to be plugged into the church. And, and we've got to exercise. We've got to serve. We've got to have a ministry. Everybody should have a ministry if we want to be marked by future faithfulness. We want to have longevity in, in, our, in our walk. And so let's read again um, 71, Psalm 71, um, 14 uh, through 18. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. Man, it's so good. We pray that that would be marked by us, that that would be our heart now for when we grow older and as we grow older. And older is relative, Right? You remember, I remember when I was a kid, I'm about to turn 30. This is crazy. I'm getting old, 30, right? Some of you, I, I just insulted you. I'm about to turn 30. I'm thinking back to my childhood. 30 was like, life was over. I mean, you were done at 30 when I was a kid. That was in my mind. And so old is relative, right? But I think wherever we're at, faithfulness. We're going to be marked by faithfulness. Whether we have gray hair at 30 or 40 or 50, whatever it looks like for you, 60, regardless, we want to, have ministry more and more and more and more. There's always an excuse. There's always an excuse. We want to we exercise. We want to be faithful. We, we need the support system if we want to be faithful. We need a good diet of, of being in devotion with, with the Lord if we want to be faithful. And so we need these, these things. Now, how do we apply this song corporately? I want to leave you with just... Some, some thoughts on how we can apply this psalm corporately. I'm going to give you four things, um, and I hope it will even almost kind of be creedal for us in the sense that this is something that we can together say, this is us. This is who we are. This is what we want to be. First one is this. Charles River Church, uh, let us learn to love the gap, not the store. <laughs> some of you do. Let us learn to love uh, the gap. In other words, Let's not be the kinds of Christians who just want to adhere to what people call the homogenous principle. That I want to go to a church where everybody looks like me. 
Everybody's about my age because I can connect and relate more. It's a little more comfortable. But let's learn to to love the the gap. That we will look at a a church body that will become uh, not all young and not all old and not all students and not all young professionals, uh, but but really mix and all kinds of gaps in in different regards. That would be a wonderful thing. Let's, Let's love that. It's a good thing. Think back uh, to, through Scripture, and, 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 and God wanted uh, Israel not just to be just this you know, ethnocentric group of people. They got some things wrong really bad. It was just all about them, all about us. He says, you're a kingdom of priests. Right? We'll just become about you, become about others. We need to be that. We could just look inwardly and say, it's just about us, and let's make things close and tight and just be a good, close, little-knit family. Or we can grow the gaps. And, and God wants us to do that. You look around Rosendale. You can walk through Rosendale Square. It is uh, one of the most ethnically diverse neighborhoods in all of Boston. A lot to do with the fact that there's so many uh, bus lines coming through Rosendale Square. We want to reflect Rosendale. We want to reflect this neighborhood. We want to be uh, diverse, right? We want to be uh, like that. We look different, um, but we're unified in spirit, as the scripture tells us to be. That it's not all, we have the same affinities, the same interests, the same skin colors, the same demographics, same age, but we are unified in Jesus, like the kingdom of heaven, where we're heading, where our citizenship lies. That we're going to be all different from all over the world, but yet we're going to be unified in Christ, and we're going to be singing the glory of the Lord. So let's learn to love the gap. Next one is this. Charles River Church, let's always be seeking out the older. It means all of us need to be seeking out the older. Who's older than you that maybe you can, can learn from? Singles, I, I want you to be looking at some married people and, and learning from some married people. And you might have to exercise the sermon. Maybe they're not the right person for you to be um, learning from, be discerning of health. Of, of a marriage, but find somebody that you can say, I want to learn from them. So you need that. If you're married and you don't have kids, look at a family that has kids and they're really honoring the Lord and say, I want to learn from that. If you're married and you have kids, be looking at people with kids older than yours and I want to learn how are they doing that. Kind of ask them questions. How did, how did you raise kids who are, you know, they love the Lord. Tell me, tell me what you did. Now there's no formula in that. But, you want to learn, right? Always be looking to the older. And then be looking to, to people who, their kids are out of the house, and are their kids still walking with Jesus? Tell me. Help me understand that. And always be looking for someone older than you, whether it's literally older, maybe it's older in the faith. Maybe somebody's actually younger than you, but they, they've known Jesus longer. Be talking to them. Help me. Right? Be, always be looking out for, for the older Next one is this, Charles River Church, let's always be seeking out the younger as well. In other words, one of our values as a church is that we really deeply believe in discipleship. We really deeply believe in discipleship. Not just discipleship in the sense that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus. You are a disciple. Not broad discipleship. We're talking real, narrow, focused discipleship that I am specifically pouring into you, right? 
that I'm pouring into you. And so every child that we serve with Washington Beach, every child I dream would have somebody at Charles River that would be pouring into them, caring for them, bringing them to church. But be looking out for somebody younger. If you're married, be looking for uh, somebody who's maybe looking to get married or dating somebody or engaged. How can I pour into them? If you have kids, somebody who's pregnant or about to have kids or wants to have kids, how can I pour into them, right? Let's always be looking out for the younger, whether literally or experientially or um, spiritually younger, help them. And, and, and let's have that kind of culture among us. And then finally, Charles River Church, let's be faithful into the future. Let's be faithful into the future. Let's not be a church that flames out. Let's not be individuals who flame out. What happened to him? What happened to her? Boy, they seem to really love Jesus, but they're gone. And they're not like they're gone because they moved and they're going to another church. They're just gone. So what we need to do is we need to really, again, develop practices that will help us to be faithful into the future. Future, future faithfulness to Jesus future faithfulness to, to Jesus. So these are things that I pray would be uh, defining marks of us, that we would be a church with gaps, and that would be a good thing. We wouldn't be your standard church in Boston that's just all college students. We wouldn't be a church that's just, we're a family church. I hear that phrase a lot. We're a family church. We're a church family. That's what we are. So that means if you don't have a family, you can be a part of the family. If you're never going to have a family, you can be a part of the family. So we're a family church in that we honor families, but we're more than anything, we're a church family, right? So let's, 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 let's have a gap and, and love the gaps. Let's, let's be seeking out the older, learning from them, being a, a humble people who always want to learn. Let's be seeking out the younger. We're always looking to pour into somebody, give back, disciple. That's who we are. And then let's be marked by future faithfulness. Let's not flame out. Let's press on and be faithful. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm. So we hear from this psalmist who so wanted to honor you when things were challenging, his life situation, his age, his support system. He was tired. His strength was spent. Lord, that's going to be us someday. We're going to be tired. We may get older. We may feel alone at times. But God, I pray that we would be marked by that, that but, but, but I want to want to honor you more and more. I want to hang in there, God. Give me more life so that I can proclaim your might to the next generation. Or may we be these kinds of old people. And Lord, in our journey until that day, will we be marked by faithfulness? May our church be marked by um, just diversity in many respects. It will be marked by Titus 2, 1 through 6, that we have older and younger serving each other in many respects. We'll be marked by 1 Timothy 4, that, that there, there are young people who are setting an example for believers. Lord, that there would be Titus 2, there would be older people pouring into the younger people. Lord, may we be this kind of people. Do your work in us, God, to shape us as a church family into that. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm. May it resonate with us throughout the course of this week, Father. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.